Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted Jesus, saying, Master, Rabbi, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And the answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and you love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered right. You do this, and you will live. But this lawyer, willing to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, from the city of God to the city of the curse, and he fell among thieves, who stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him, and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him, and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, set him on his own beast, brought him to an inn, took care of him, and on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the horse and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever you spend more, when I come again, I will repay you. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And the lawyer said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus to him, Oh, do thou likewise. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell. And our conviction is that the Word of God has never changed and never will. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And uh, Luke gives us a picture of our Lord dealing with a Jewish lawyer on the question of what could he do to inherit eternal life. And this story is presented by Luke to us to realize there is nothing a person can do to inherit eternal life. And why? Because eternal life is received by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. Only He has accomplished all that God demands for sin in all its entirety. Jesus dealt with sin in its eternal and temporal results by dying for each person on earth, shedding His own blood, and God's righteousness was vindicated by our Lord Jesus. God is now quite free to forgive any and every kind of sin to anyone on earth, even you and me. Well, here's Dr. Mitchell with the Good Samaritan on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast, Luke chapter 10, verse 25. We again come to you with our studies in the Gospel through Luke. Again, may I plead with you to read and reread the testimony given to us in this gospel. And we are now in the gospel through Luke chapter 10. We're way down to verse 25. I was closing up with this in our last lesson. Now I want to start again and follow through uh, this wonderful story of how to receive eternal life and of the illustration the Lord gave to us. Here you have Jesus dealing with a lawyer. 
And as I said, and I repeat it, uh, oftentimes speakers and teachers and preachers will take this passage and they work at it in an entirely different way. Some believe that our job is to get the thieves off the road and make the path from Jerusalem to Jericho, from the city of God to the city of destruction, a safe place to walk, to travel. Then there are others who believe it's a good background to teach being a good neighbor. Of course, you ought to be a good neighbor anyhow. And then there's the gospel message manifesting God's compassion for sinners. Now, I'd like to take that up. Of course, that's the way I'm going to take it up. And now, in verses 25 to 29, you have the lawyer and his question. And again, may I say, he manifested, just like the rich young ruler did, he manifested ignorance of how to receive life. But yet, the background, I think, you may disagree with us, but my, I think the background here is this lawyer. He has seen our Lord being the friend of publicans and sinners. Uh, he, he sees how he, he receives sinners and eats with them. He's a friend of sinners. You can't read these few chapters of Luke without realizing that. Their accusation was he was a friend of publicans and sinners. But me, I'm not a publican and I'm not a sinner. I'm a good moralist, and I'm a lawyer. And when you speak of the law, there's a lawyer. He was a man who was well acquainted with Mosaic laws. That was his job. He knew what the law of Moses. I'm not speaking of a lawyer like we have today on various aspects of law, but these men in our Lord's day were some of the leaders of Israel, and the lawyers were the ones who could expound the law to you. So we read, this man said to Jesus, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Now the Lord's answer was, Well, you're a lawyer. You know what Moses' law says. What does it say? And he said, Well, the law says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. I love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, That's right. This do, and thou shalt live. Now remember, this man wanted to do something to receive life, and the Lord met him on his own ground. By the way, may I suggest to you, this, in verse 27, is not the gospel. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all in your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, with all your mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, this is the law. This is not the gospel. There's nothing in this passage about faith. Remember that the, that the law gives us, put us under two responsibilities. My responsibility to God, my responsibility to my neighbor. You remember with the, with the rich young ruler, the rich young ruler, when he asked the question, Jesus said, why do you call me good? You know what the law says. And, and to the rich young ruler, he spoke of his relationship to his neighbor. You'll not steal, you'll not defy your neighbor, and so forth and so on. And this young man said, I've kept the whole business. What lack I yet? Sell what you have and give to the poor and follow me. You'll have treasure in heaven. Was the Lord telling how to be saved? The Lord was telling him, listen, young man, you, you've broken the first commandment, your relationship to God. You've got a God. Your money is your God. Your possessions are your God. Give up your God and follow me. And the man left Jesus. He preferred his own God. 
Now, you got the opposite here with the lawyer. His trouble is not with God. Jesus never challenged him on his desire for the things of God. He challenged him on the question of his relationship to his neighbor. Now, the, the law, and I'd like to get this very clear in your mind, the law of Moses was not given to save people. The purpose of the law is to make sin exceeding sinful. Paul said, I had not known sin until the law said, thou shalt not covet, I'm quoting from Romans chapter 7. The law was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. And having come to Christ, we're no longer under the schoolmaster. The law is a ministration of death. The law condemns. The law demands righteousness, but never gives you any. The law is not a faith. The law cannot give life, as Galatians 3 said, if there had been a law given which could have given life, then righteousness would have been by the law. There would have been no need, I say this very, very right, there'd be no need for Jesus Christ to come and die for sinners if sinners could be saved by keeping the law. The fact is, nobody did keep the law except the Savior. You see, well, I'm doing the best I can, but the law doesn't accept that. The law demands that you be sinless. The law demands that you produce righteousness. But you don't have any to produce. See, the law just shuts your mouth. As you have in Romans 3, the law shut our mouths. We stand before God with our mouth shut, and we read, Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. I don't want to go any further than that except to mention the fact that when this man said, What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? The law faced him with the law, being a lawyer. Now, this man was quite self-righteous. And his, his answer was, uh, But he willing to justify himself said to Jesus, Well, who is my neighbor? See, Jesus had said in verse 28, This do and thou shalt live. But you see, nobody did it. Nor could this man. So he begins to justify himself. He, in other words, he's just begging the question. He didn't expect the Lord Jesus to answer him this way. And the man just dug a pit and fell into it. Who is my neighbor? I say, he's begging the question, he's in a box, and he tries to get out of it. Who's my neighbor? And then the Lord gives to us this wonderful illustration of the Good Samaritan. Will you bear with me on this? And Jesus said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, from the city of God to the city of the curse, and he fell among thieves, who stripped him of his raiment and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him, and passed by on the other side. Let me just stop here for a moment. You get the illustration. Here's a man on his way down. And believe me, my friend, man is not evolving. Man is going down the other way. This man went down from the city of God to the city of Jericho. Here's a general statement. Man, first of all, if I may quote from Romans chapter 1, man, first of all, knew God. Then he glorified him not as God. Then he became unthankful. Then he became vain in his imaginations, and his foolish heart was darkened. 
and professing himself to be wise, he became a fool and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like the man, the birds, the quadrupeds, the creeping things, and God gave them up. Notice the degeneration. First of all, man knew God. Then you have all the steps down in that passage, starting in at Romans chapter 1, reading from verse 18, and in fact, go to the end of the passage, 32. And it's degeneration all the way down. Professing himself to be a wise man, he became a fool, and he changed the glory of the incorruptible God like unto a man. And notice in his worship of, of an idolatry, you have degeneration. First of all, he worshiped God as a man, then as a bird, then as a quadruped, then as a creeping thing. And God gave men up to uncleanness and so on. I don't want to go into this, except to say that God, you remember, has come to a conclusion that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. No one can claim that they can earn salvation by their work. The Lord won't accept it. This man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves who stripped him of his raiment, and he wounded him, leaving him half dead. Here's a man who's naked, he's bruised, he's unconscious, he's in the middle of the road. He has enough strength to get off the road. There he is left, bereft, bankrupt, naked. I tell you, friend, very frankly, that's a picture of every unsaved person before God. As the Bible says in Romans 3, there is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And one can multiply the scriptures concerning this. Now, along came verse 31. Along by chance there came down a certain priest that way. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now the priest is the one who demands a sacrifice. The priests were the ones who offered sacrifice. If you had sinned and you brought a sin offering or a trespass offering, you brought it to the priest, and he would offer the sacrifice. And this priest, by chance, went down the road, and he saw this fellow. And by the way, he's on the way down too. He's going down the road, and he saw him. Why did he pass by on the other side? Because this man had, was absolutely bankrupt. He was naked. He was bruised. And as far as I know, he'd be unconscious. Otherwise, you would have crawled off to the side of the road. And the priest passed him by because the man had nothing to offer him and the priest couldn't do anything for him. The, man, the priest was helpless to help him. This next verse, and likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, he came and looked on him, passed by on the other side. Now notice, no compassion in the priest, no compassion in the Levite. Now the Le if the priest was a representative of, of the, of the religious side of it, offering sacrifices. The Levite was a picture of the law, which says, do and thou shalt live. But the man can do nothing. The Levite came and looked on him. He's totally helpless. He can't do a thing. He can't love his God and he can't love his neighbor. He's helpless. He's bankrupt. He's naked. So the priest passes him by and the Levite passes him by. Now what's going to happen? Down through the centuries, men, by sacrifices, by golden rules, by the law, have all tried to merit eternal salvation, and none could do it. Nobody was ever saved by works or by ceremonies. In the Old Testament, not even in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, they were saved by faith. By faith. By faith. If you don't believe that, you read the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. 
Now let's look at the Samaritan. Verse 33, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him, and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, set him on his own beast, brought him to an inn, took care of him, and on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the horse, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever you spend more, when I come again, I will repay you. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And the lawyer said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus to him, Oh, do thou likewise. Now here is the good Samaritan, and this is the turning point in the picture. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came right where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion upon him. Now, I've been talking about man's condition and of how religious ceremonies can't help you and the law of Moses can't help you. Then what am I to do? A certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was and had compassion upon him. Here was someone who came along who was going to do the job. You know, you ever think of it on this question of the good Samaritan? The Samaritans and the Jews have no dealings with each other. And Jesus is telling this lawyer, uh, do you know who your neighbor is? When he said, who is my neighbor? The Samaritans. And you remember the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Oh, to call a Jew a Samaritan was the vilest term you could call him. And the Samaritans are your, are your neighbors. Boy, what a slap at this, this lawyer. But let's get back to our story. He came right where he was. May, may I suggest the Good Samaritan is a picture of our Savior. When man could not save himself from his sin by his works or ceremonies, God sent his only begotten Son into the world. He came right where we were. He took his place in the human family. And when he saw man in his condition, he had compassion upon him. Haven't you noticed all through Luke's Gospel? He saw a leper, he had compassion upon him. He saw the hungry crowds, he had compassion passion upon them. I will not send them away hungry. Oh, the compassion of the Savior. We have it here. And you know, you, you and I, if we're Christians, we're saved because of the compassion of the Son of God for you and for me. He had compassion on him. And what do you think he did? He went to him and he bound up his wounds and poured in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and took him to an inn and took care of him. And he paid the price. And he said, when I come again, if he owes you anything, I'll pay it. I'll pay it. What a picture of the Savior. He came right where we were. God sent his son. In the fullness of time, he sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem them who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. He came right where he was. He had compassion upon him. And he, he bound up his wounds, he poured in oil and wine, set him on his own beast. Oh, brother, oh, brother. You know what I can't help but think about? Take Romans chapter 5. When we were yet without strength, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet active in our sins, he died for us. Verse 10, if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son. 
Ephesians chapter 2, we were dead in trespasses and sins. We were children of wrath like the rest. We had no covenants. We had no nothing at all without Christ, without hope, without God. And he drew us nigh by his precious blood. Oh, listen, what a Savior. He came right where we were, right where we were. He had compassion upon us, and he, and he took our place. You notice that? He got off the beast, and he gave the man his place. He picked the man up. He bound up his wounds, poured in oil and wine, put him on his beast, and took him to an inn, paid the fare. Jesus Christ came and took your place and gave us his place. You take 2 Corinthians 5.21. Allow me to paraphrase that verse. 2 Corinthians 5.21. He became what I was, that I might become what he is. Or if you want the verse in the King James Version, he who knew no sin was made sin for me, that I might be made the righteousness of God in him. Or as someone has aptly put it, he who knew no sin was made sin for me, who knew no righteousness, that I who knew no righteousness might be made the righteousness of God in him. He became what I was, that I might become what he is. He took my place and gave me his place. And then he paid the fare, and we sing it so glibly sometime in our singing, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was bound, and now set free. You notice it? Notice it. He took your place and has offered you his place. He bore your sin and is offering you his righteousness. As Isaiah 61.10 says, I will clothe thee with the garments of righteousness. And he takes you to the inn, the church of the firstborn. And he pays the fare. He's finished the job. It's all paid. The debt's canceled. And then he said to the innkeeper, you take care of him. And when you and I accept the Savior, we're put in the care of the blessed Spirit of God who cares for us. Oh, the wonder of it all, the wonder of it all, that Jesus has made himself responsible for everyone who puts their trust in him, not only to pay their fare, but if there's anything else necessary or needed, he'll pay the rest. Thank God he's finished the job, and one day he's going to come for us. I can't leave this out without saying when this fellow's in the inn, what do you think he's waiting for? He's looking at everybody who comes down the road. Why? Because the good Samaritan said, I will come again. I will come again. And every, every traveler coming through the inn, he would ask the question, have you seen him? Seen who? Then he'd tell the story about the good Samaritan. He said, I'll come again. And if, I owe you, if he owes you anything, I'll pay the bill. So he paid the bill for us put us in the hands of the Spirit of God, put us into the inn, the church, and not only so, but he's left us down here to bear testimony. And while we wait the coming of the Savior, we're telling people about the Good Samaritan, the wonderful Savior who saved us from sin, who saved us and fitted us for the presence of God. My, isn't he a wonderful Savior? No wonder that this fellow Mitchell's heart was absolutely transformed. Oh, what a, what a, Wonderful thing to have your eyes open to see the beauty and the glory and the wonder of such a Savior. I tell you, 
Friend, I can sing with great joy, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Oh, I need no other argument, I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. And friend, he died for you. Why don't you accept the Savior? And you who are saved, keep on telling folk about the Lord. For one of these days, he said, I will come again and receive you unto myself. And where I am, there you may be also. The Lord bless you today. I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus Since I found in him a friend so strong and true I would tell you how he changed my life completely He did something that no other friend could do no one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.